1: Hi there, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, April 26, 2022. I'm Maggie Lake here with Steve Van Meter, founder of Steve Van Meter Financial, on what is an ugly-looking trading day here. We are closing, if not at very close to the lows of the day. So selling, seeing that selling pressure as we exit, which is never a good sign um, when we're looking at stocks, NASDAQ down. I mean, it's been moving around, but at last check, in excess of Oh, now it's 500 points. This is getting really bad, Steve. So uh, around 514, we'll see where we settle. That's a loss of almost 4%. Um, taking out the previous low from March of this year, uh, S&P 500 uh, down 120, about 2.8%. And the uh, Dow down 810 points, 2.38. So you can you know, really get a sense of what the sentiment is in stocks. VIX is up 20%. Um, at its high of the day here, heading into the close. Uh, and as we pointed out, um, bonds have been maybe the bright spot, but you know, we'll dig into that. Uh, the 10-year is at 275. Remember, just a few days ago, it was knocking at 3% for the yield. Uh, and finally, crypto, as you can imagine, within this risk-off uh, atmosphere, getting hit. But not nearly the selling we're seeing in stocks, down about 4% on Bitcoin, maybe 5 55 on ETH. Um, So that's where we are. Steve, what's going on? Why are we seeing this severe selling in the equity market?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? I mean, there's clearly a lack of buyers and- People are headed to the door. I mean, we have the Fed. I mean, we know what the Fed's going to do next week. There's going to be a minimal 50 basis point hike. Some rumors now at 75 basis points, and that's got uh, some big investors, institutional investors, spooked, and you know for good reason. I mean, the Fed tightens into recessions, and. You know, we can are we seeing perhaps the peak of the market's already in? I mean, usually when the yield curve inverts, you've got another year, year and a half of strong equity gains. A lot of retail investors have exited the bond market to buy into stocks, but yet, you know, when I look back at curve inversions, if the market's already trending down, well, then usually it's an open that the peak is already in. So maybe the peak is in.
1: Yeah, peak in terms of
2: what? The, this. You know, equity market. Um, you mm-hmm. know, Maybe we are in the very early stages of a bear market. Granted, a lot of people still think we're in the early stages of a long-trending bull market. Um, but you know, when you start factoring Fed policy and inverted yield curve, it, it tells you things are wrong. And usually when things are wrong, stocks eventually react. Maybe this time, uh, they're reacting earlier than expected.
1: Yeah, but they've been reacting, right? I mean, it's been a horrible April. I mean, April alone has been super ugly, um, and you know, it, it, certainly the selling goes back to that. You know, and it's interesting. Some days we're seeing, seeing everything sell off too, which I think has people concerned. I want to play a clip actually because you mentioned recession, and I think this is really the sort of overarching. Um, discussion that's going on, right? And that that the, the thing that has people most unnerved. And um, Evan Lorenz had a conversation with Harley Bassman, who's a managing partner at Simplify Asset Management. And Harley um, was, I think, expressing the concern that many share about the Fed achieving a so-called soft landing. Let's have a listen to that.
3: I do think that what you've seen is this money has been printed, created, and Initially, until recently, it could not find its way into the economy. Maybe it's sat on bank balance sheets or whatever. But I think it found its way into uh, the asset market. Um, this is a, the relationship between stock, global stocks and bonds and uh, balance sheets. Um, but we, I mean, the, the notion that the Fed or central banks cannot create inflation is just bogus. They can create inflation. Uh, what they can't do, or is difficult to do, is to create two or three. Three percent inflation, as opposed to zero or ten. Uh, I, I mean, you know, trying to go and and, and land uh, the the economy on two and a half percent inflation you know, is landing a jumbo jet in a baseball field. So it's kind of difficult to do. But we've had massive inflation uh, in all assets: uh, housing, art, gold. It's, it's all up. So the Fed created inflation. The plan was to create inflation, but in wages, not in assets. And now we're seeing. The inflation in wages, which is a public policy good. Unfortunately, we now have—I'm not going to call it a bubble—but we certainly have um, elevated asset prices that um, will probably not be as happy if rates rise and the Fed removes the balance sheet. That's a—that's a—that's a double double-barrel shotgun coming at the market. I, I mean, theoretically.
1: And that full interview is available uh, for Essential Plus and Pro members on our website. Um, and Steve, I, I think that, you know, ha, ha, are we going to get a recession? How much is priced in is is the, the equation everyone's trying to think about. And it looked like bonds had been thinking about that a lot earlier. And some people had been making the argument equities hadn't really caught up. I don't know. Maybe that's what we're seeing. And if you if I just throw in a couple of data points that came in today, and I'm, I'm sure you probably looked at these, um, just look at housing, right? We had Kay Schiller reporting home prices jumped nearly 20% in February, but Freddie Mac saw sales of new homes dropping to their lowest level in four months. You know, that creates a that that really kind of lays out the potential dilemma for the Fed, doesn't it? Growth may slow, but if inflation remains elevated. That's a that's a tough scenario to have a soft landing in.
2: Well, yeah, considering the Fed doesn't know how to do soft landings, as I think Harley pointed out. I mean, yeah. it, 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 historically, they've never been able to achieve it, and in, in the brief times that it appears that they have, they turn around and crash it anyways, just for good measure. So, you know, you have to look at the fact that the yield curve is really telling us everything we need to know, and and when you see, you know, these inverted curves, where short rates are running right up near long rates, and in some cases, running higher than to cause the inversion, it's a sign that there's something wrong in the economy. It shouldn't be this way. I mean, there should be you know a nice, steep curve where short rates are lower than long rates, and, and lower than the intermediate part of the curve. So when we see this, it tells us something's wrong. And the problem is, that the, as you mentioned, is the Fed has really no latitude here, because inflation has become so political. And this is something that a lot of people really just don't understand. It's extremely political, because in history, when inflation runs hot, the rule, whatever is in power, doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat, it's, it's irrelevant to what you, what you believe in and what you support, is that it leads to that party getting voted out. And so we have the midterms coming. We do know that, obviously, Powell was reappointed by you know, President Biden. He's a Democrat. The ruling party is Democrats. You have this big election coming, and there's going to be- likely be an exodus, because when the average American you know, family sits down, looks in their budget, and realizes that their wages and their lifestyle is not keeping up with inflation, and they can't do anything about it, they vote people out. And so Powell has no choice. He's got to pull the reins back on this. But it's a huge, huge gamble, because he is threading a needle unlike any other Fed chair has had to deal with. And odds are, he's, he's going to wreck the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and we're not just talking about well, you know, it, it's connected, but we've got inflation uh, coming from multiple, and we and we have this legacy of this extraordinary measures that were put into place, which a lot of people forget. We're we're you know, this is unprecedented, right? There's no playbook for this, so it's not like we can study the business cycle and see how this works. Getting themselves out of that is difficult. They tried before and it didn't work, and now they're doing it in this environment where we have supply chain issues. Geopolitical concerns on top of the problems that were baked into the economy because of that extraordinary accommodation. It's a really, really tough scenario. So, you know, those nerves now playing out, I I just they they've kind of been on display. When you see this kind of sell-off in the equity market, can it start to feed on itself? And would you normally expect to see people then move back to bonds in that environment, Steve, as they try to figure out how to protect their portfolio?
2: Yeah, well I mean, I want to mention this is an impossible scenario. Uh, the popular view, uh, we heard the clip from Harley Bassman, I mean the Fed can print money, but the Fed can't print money. And that's what's really interesting about this is you know, we're using monetary policy to solve a supply chain problem. And monetary policy was never designed to do it. So why did we get all this inflation is because we pumped all this fiscal stimulus And we cleared the shelves out. And now we have supply chain issues that are really the cause of inflation, and the Fed can't fix it. I mean, it's not possible. I mean, it just doesn't work. So if you start looking at the equity market, well, what does it need? It needs flows, it needs money coming in. Well, what are households dealing with? Well, during the pandemic, the government gave them all this money. They bought equities, they bought goods and services, they bought anything they could get their hands on. Now, Because inflation's so hot, wages aren't keeping up with it, and all of a sudden, money that could be going into the market is now being directed to basic necessities, housing, rent, food, fuel, all these things. And so all all of a sudden, this weakness in the equity market, does it start to make sense? Yeah, it does. But from the Fed's perspective, they look at these money market accounts, and they see, wow, there's over a trillion dollars of dry powder sitting there. Well, you don't see anybody really jumping to pull the trigger and put that money in. Why? It's because they're really afraid of inflation and where this is going. And when inflation goes up and your wages don't keep up with it, well, then you obviously have to look to your savings and people will put more there and look away from the equity market. And then as it goes down, you know, what do investors do? What do they do to the bond market? They sold, you know, when the curve is inverted, which is a time you should be buying. And what did they do? They bought equities and now they're going to turn around and sell those too.
1: Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Yeah. And by the way, uh, you know, we've got the big earning tech in particular, some of the losses in technology shares have been staggering, or, you know, we'll call them technology. Some of the fang. I mean, Netflix is just that chart is just brutal to look at that. We've got them coming out. I I I'm just looking at my screens as they pass, um, and as we keep talking, but it looks like Alphabet missing on on both earnings and revenue. So, you know, any kind of news coming out of earnings is likely to pile on here. Um, so, when you look at this environment, Steve, you know what do people do if if first of all there's there's there sort are of two strategies. If you're more sophisticated, presumably, there may be some protection you can find in the options market, correct?
2: Yeah, but that's not something the average person wants to do. I mean, it's right. a, it's a, if you're gonna if you're gonna go play with dynamite, you better be prepared to get your face blown off. And a lot of uh, average investors should not be touching the options market, even though there's so many people trading options today that the equity market is functionally a derivative of it. Uh, and ultimately, what well, we know how that will end with a lot of pain and losses. But we've talked about this uh, on the show before, Maggie. Where people need to hedge, and 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 what do average investors do? What do retail investors do? They sell at the bottom. So when rates were rising, all they did was compound it by selling more bonds when they really should just be holding their positions and realizing that, hey, rates can't sustainably go up. There's there's no mechanism for that. Instead, they do what they always do. They sell at the bottom. They bought stocks and they said, ah, sigh of relief. This is going to go up. And now, all of a sudden, it's going down. And they look around. They look at the landscape. Where do you go? Right? We talked about this before the show. What is up? Every Everything keeps going down, and all of a sudden, you know, selling begets more selling. And then, of course, that's where the bottom falls out, particularly as we see the VIX now back into a zone where if it doesn't get uncontrolled, the thing could get out, it could just shoot higher and cause a massive unwind in equities.
1: Yeah, I think the problem is that, you know, there've there been so many questions call or so many so much skepticism and so many questions being asked about whether that sort of 60/40 and we we can talk about different levels of numbers but part of your portfolio in stocks, part in bonds, that that didn't seem to be working. I just got a, a research note from one of our other another regular guests that's on often saying tr- 7 trillion dollars of bond market value was wiped out. Um, with the 60-40 portfolio. So you, know, you can understand why people are having a hard time trying to figure out what to do here, Steve.
2: Yeah, because they, when as soon as it goes down, they start selling. And, and that's, again, it's always, the re, you know you look at what retail investors do, they do the wrong thing at the wrong time. You know, You hear people say, I'm a long-term investor, but really people aren't. They might have money invested for decades. But they're very short-sighted in their positioning. Um, a lot of people, you know, only will hold positions for a few months or a couple quarters, and if it doesn't go up. Uh, they're out. And then if it keeps going down, they'll sell more and sell more. You know, and and so you start stepping back and you're saying, why do people get this wrong? It's because they don't understand. And that's one of the great things about you know, platforms like Real Vision is you bring experts on to educate people and say, wait a minute, maybe you shouldn't be selling bonds or maybe you should be buying them. And people, well, why would I do that? They're going down. Well, you know, when stocks go down, you bought the dip. When crypto went down, you bought the dip. When gold went down, you bought the dip. When bonds go down, you sold everything. Yeah, And and it doesn't make any sense because a really simple story of the bond market. You know, there's all these factors we all look at. But there's one thing that people need to understand. It's the supply and demand component. If there is a demand for loans at higher rates, then rates can come up. If there's not, and there isn't, as, as rates go up, demand for loans is declining. We can see that in the re- weekly refinance data. We can see that in other places, too, that when it goes down, rates cannot sustainably rise. So when you see that happening, you shouldn't be thinking sell bonds. You should be like, maybe I should start buying more and buy the dip, because what have we seen for the last 40 years when rates go up and lending demand goes away is they have to go down, and they tend to make new all-time lows seems like the easiest thing to do, but everyone gets it wrong
1: so is now a time if if people hadn't been, should people be buying bonds now if they don't hold them and and where what what bonds?
2: well, yeah, if you look at uh, inverted yield curves, the history shows that as soon as two year yields start to come down, the long end will follow. Uh, it's almost a layup trade. I mean, inverted yield curves lead to lower bo- or higher bond prices and lower yields. Why wouldn't you do that? But again, this all comes back to investor sentiment, how they view the markets, and if something, you know, they just look at their portfolio. If something's down, they will sell it and buy what's up. Now the problem is bonds have down, they've sold them, they don't want to go back because they're afraid. They believe that inflation leads to higher interest rates, which it doesn't. And now they're in equity, so where are they going to go next? They're going to go to cash. And I suspect we're going to see even more of a blowout in the money market and reverse repo. Uh, the only question is, can the Fed keep control of it? I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. So this is this is this is. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because. I think this is a point that um, a lot of sort of you know experienced market watchers are very worried about when you see these big moves in many markets, um, and they're happening quickly. The market not really built for that sort of movement, and I'm not just talking about equities. You know, we've had extreme moves in bonds. We've got extreme moves in the yen, um, and that maybe you know there's that old saying: the Fed's going to do move and be aggressive until they break something. And there's a fear of what does that look like. Um, do you think that we're getting to the point where there are there liquidity concerns out there, or that that you're worried about, or parts of the market that you see that seem like they're under strain or not functioning properly?
2: Yeah, I think the, I think the equity market is telling us that exactly. Because what starts to happen is you start to see the curve, you know, the yield curve collapse. And so as interest rates go up, people jettison, they know, oh, man, I got to get out of my bonds, sell bonds, bonds are over, and all the stories about how interest rates are going to go to infinity, come back. And then they start looking around their portfolio, and all of a sudden, Asian equities, foreign equities start to go down. And why is that? Because when the global economy starts to slow, it starts there first. So then they say, oh, man, my emerging markets and foreign stocks are all going down. So what do they do? those and where are they cramming all their money? They cram into US equities. And that's why we see, you know, usually when the curve inverse, we send them to see this one, you know, to year and a half, one to one and a half years of equity growth, because people are just cramming into the US equity market, and then all of a sudden, boom, it blows out. And you mentioned earnings, which is great, because you know look at the reaction. And I want people to think, look at the reaction to Netflix and Facebook over what are not major deals in the earnings world. I mean, look back to the great financial crisis, which- people have forgotten about, and you want to see bad earnings, go back and look then. What do you think is going to happen to equities next quarter and the quarter after when this only gets worse without fiscal stimulus and high inflation? Yeah, you, I mean, the equity market is a dangerous place. I mean, the whole everything's kind of dangerous, but where will be the flight to safety? Will it be dollars, bonds, gold, crypto? Um, we'll find out.
1: Yeah. And we're seeing, um, I mentioned alphabet missing on earnings, that that stock down another Three percent after hours, and um, you know we'll see what happens when when some volume gets involved there. Um, we've got some great questions, and I and I do want to get to a few of them. Um, John from the RV site asks, gra- I love this question, John. Um, what's the other Steve? What's the other side of the argument that we're not hearing? Either the Fed economists need a Real Vision membership, or they must be seeing things differently from market participants. What do they see that we don't?
2: Yeah, the the Fed sees the reverse repo. And there's, I think, and don't hold me as number one point seven trillion dollars, and and Powell's made mention of that there's dry powder, and so all he's saying is, look, in the we've been supporting the equity market, but we can't now. We have to fight inflation. It's it's too it's dangerous. I mean, his jobs on the line, president's jobs on the line, Congress is taking jobs on line. Hey, people are going to lose, you know, their positions, and they don't like it. You know, so he's got to fight inflation because that's what the Fed's supposed to do. And he's kind of made mention again at, at prior press conferences. Look, we we provided the support. We can't do that anymore, but you're going to have to. And he looks. So at the let me repo ask you, what, is, is for season. people
1: who understand the 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 repo market? When you say that, do you mean that they don't want to? They they have done what they can. They want to see what bank lending. They want money to move out of the what what is, What does that mean? Why Why are they looking at the repo market?
2: Why? Because what's going on in the reverse repo market is a collateral shortage of T-bills. So there's not enough T-bills in in the economy, in the market, because Janet Yellen and the Treasury have not been issuing enough T-bills instead of issuing too many notes and bonds, which they're finally going to start working on that, but it's insufficient. So because there's a shortage of collateral, the Fed has made the reverse repo market available. And so Instead of 1.7 trillion the sitting reverse repo, should normally be sitting in money market. So when you see reverse repo, you should just in your mind think, okay, that's a money market equivalent because it effectively is. And so if the Fed ended reverse repo tomorrow, there'd be 1.7 trillion flowing into short-term T bills in the money market space. So what the Fed's looking at is hey, we can kill two birds at one stone here. We got to fight inflation. We know the market's going to come down, but if we can get all this cash out of reverse repo or money market into the the market, it fixes a problem we have, and everyone else grows up and learns that, hey, we aren't, aren't going to prop the equity market up perpetually. You've got to bring your money in and do it. That's what they're hoping for.
1: We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing.
0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
1: Mm, okay. So Coder John on YouTube asking, uh, can you comment on, and I don't know if you were watching this, Steve. So can you comment on today's treasury auction of two year notes? Only 12.6% went to primary dealers and bid to cover was well below the 10-year auction average. Thank you.
2: Yeah, I don't know about the 10-year average, and I didn't see what the six-month average. and I don't really care a lot about the bid to cover. A lot of people think it matters as is how many people are bidding on this to showing mm-hmm. demand. What really matters is in this case, and you want to see this in note and bond auctions, is you want to see strong demand from foreign bidders. And that's in indirect bidders. That's what we and that's what we see. So the dealers, and, and their job is to is to make a market. I mean, their job is to to get inventory and resell it. Uh, But ideally, you want to see strong indirect demand. and, And you see that, and we should be seeing it, because that happens when there's a lot of dollars flowing out of the US into the foreign market. And that happens specifically when there's a lot of imports coming to the US. So when a lot of imports come in, they get paid for in dollars, dollars go to outside of the country, and they get recycled back to the Treasury auction. So when you see strong indirect demand uh, in notes and bond auctions, it tells you the financial system is working the way it should.
1: Half on the RV side is asking, can the ones that have already dropped, plus the energy sector, so I guess the really beaten up names, plus the energy sector hold the market up at all if and when the mega caps crash?
2: No, because- I mean, inter, inter, Sector inter, rotation,
1: inter, maybe, you know?
2: No, because energy goes next. I mean, and that, yeah. and that's what people don't understand is is what, you know, and one of the challenges, some people have enough money that it doesn't matter. If gas prices go up a dollar, they don't care. You know, it means like they complain about it to their friends, whether they're a fancy restaurant eating, you know, fancy dinner and drinking, you know, expensive drinks. But the average American, I mean, this is a massive impact on their pocketbook. So, you know, you, you start to hear people talk about, like, well, instead of just getting in the car and going out whenever I want, they start planning trips. Well, I got to take the kids to Stalker. Well, on the way there, or on the way back is a grocery store, or on the way back is this, or on the way there is, other. And they start planning trips because they can't afford it. And when they can't afford higher energy, Energy prices—they cut back their spending, and that's the key. We see this every time during high inflation; is people cut back. And the great thing to watch uh, for our our guests who asked a question is watch Cushing inventories as they go up, oil prices come down. Something I talk about on my show on a regular basis. So it's a really great indicator, and that's going to be particularly interesting because Biden administration is releasing a massive amount from the strategic petroleum reserves starting i think next month you can hold me to that or not uh maggie if i've got that right and that's going to bring inventories up energy prices down demand's going to go away always does that's and that's what's interesting
1: now high prices are the solution for high prices right because they're going to kill demand i guess the, the question is how seriously so you know does it happen so are we talking about a severe recession um could we just see you know slowing growth but something that's manageable steve what are you anticipating or or preparing yourself for
2: well that the frightening part is the inverted yield curve it's telling you things are seriously wrong at a point where the fed has marginally I mean, what, what has the Fed really done? They quit doing QE, but really they didn't completely quit because they're still reinvesting coupon, but now right, that's not as big as they were doing, and they made one rate hike. I mean, they've really done virtually nothing in the big scheme of what the Fed does to invert yield curves. And the curve sitting here inverted, and it's telling you that something is structurally wrong with the economy, that inflation is eating into long-term growth expectations. When it does that, that is your marker for a recession. The only question is, can we get out of this with just a recession, or are we actually going to have a massive financial crisis?
1: Yeah. Um, you are right, uh, Steve. I believe the barrels for delivery from the strategic uh, reserve release will be uh, May and June, and then they'll-, they'll- you know, um, schedule them out after that uh, unless they change, which, of course, they could. Um, We haven't talked about gold, Steve. What about gold in this environment? Um, You know, we've been watching the price. I know you've been watching some of the technicals. You would think this would be the moment for gold to shine. Um, What's happening there?
2: Yeah, I, I don't know why this would be the moment for gold to shine, because we we oh, see in the past. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll th- and again, you, you, so many people don't understand just how, when things get bad, how bad it gets, because they've maybe not ever been in a position where they did without. And you have to start putting yourself in a position as what if I went home tonight, and I had a pink slip in my hand, and I didn't have any money to feed the kids, and wife's home, waiting for me to bring home groceries, and oh, by the way, mortgage payment's going to be due here uh, in a few days uh, with the first of month. And well, I just lost my job. You know, why do we see things like gold sell off uh, during times? You know, when, when the markets go down or during times of liquidity crisis, because when you need money, yeah. And this is something a lot of people you know, they just don't understand. They've never been in the position. When you need money, you sell what you can sell to get dollars. Well, it's really easy to pop open your safe, pull out a coin because you probably know someone who will buy it. There's always a buyer for gold. And I think we'll see the same thing with cryptocurrencies because they're non-taxable, right? It's not like, hey, I lost my job. I think I'll pull my 401k. All right, well, there's a 10% penalty because I'm not 59 and a half, and I get to pay income taxes. So people will sell what they can that don't incur tax liability, gold, silver, crypto. And that's why you tend to see it go down. I mean, and I know a lot of people are super bullish that it goes straight up, but- the reality is that's why we don't see it happen at these stages. We didn't see it going in the great financial crisis. It went down because yeah. people again needed to sell it to try to. Oh man, my stocks are going down, or I need to pay the mortgage. I can sell my gold. It happens. Every Aren't
1: there time. investors though who would who would benefit um, thinking about it as a safe haven?
2: But but what if people can't? I mean, it all comes back to people not being able to afford to buy it. You mm. know. What So the notion is that it's going to go up. All right, well, where's the money going to come from people that are going to buy it? Because people that have been buying it perhaps now have to redirect that money because gas prices went up, rents went up, food prices, they don't have the money to buy. Maybe that's what we're seeing in the equity market is there just isn't enough buyers to deal with the normal selling because it's been pumped up. But there's this notion that certain things have to only go up and can only go up, but history doesn't show that.
1: Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, there has been the mentality that when we see big moves down, and this certainly played out in COVID and it's and it's happened before, that those have proven to be buying opportunities. But it doesn't mean history is always going to repeat itself, does it? I mean, does I think some people are looking at some of these big declines and wondering if it's, you know, if they have the ability, not time to put some money to work. Is that do we need to rethink the way we approach that kind of price action?
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of bias there, because right now, bonds have had one of their largest sell-offs perhaps in history, maybe or very close to it. And what are people doing? Sell them, short them some more, because rates can only go up. But yet, if certain things go down, uh, maybe if tech stocks go down, gold goes down, crypto goes down, well, those things I would buy, but there's no way I'd buy other things. And again, it's it's all biased toward what people want to happen, because what if inflation starts to come down? Does that not destroy the whole gold narrative? Because that's yeah. what people are betting on, right? Big inflation, gold has to go up. It hasn't gone up enough to to balance what inflation has. But what if inflation rolls over now? Is that the case of gold gone?
1: Yeah. So, so you, as we leave, Steve, what what advice do you want to leave people with who are trying to, you know, who are probably looking with some degree of concern here at the market action? What should they be thinking about?
2: They should be they should be concerned. And the problem, and, and we've talked about this on previous shows, is people do not hedge. They do not offer, they do not put any sort of protection on their portfolios. And what protection they do have, they end up selling because it goes down and they don't understand it. Um, and unfortunately, it's a hard lesson that people learn every time the cycle flips and goes down. The risk we have now is not that this is a slow path down, that is a rapid path down because of the rapid path up. And that is what's scary and people are unprepared for it, and unfortunately, it doesn't matter what I say, because I tell people to hedge, and they don't do it, or they hedge, and then they think, oh, I went down, so I'll sell it, and he's wrong. Well, so what? What can
1: they do now? Say they don't have hedges on, but what? What can they do now? Should they be looking at the bond market?
2: Uh, absolutely, look at the yield. I mean, uh, look at what happens when the yield curve inverts and steepens. Go look at what happens with yields, um, whether it's the front end of the curve, intermediate, or long end. It tells you what's coming, and with a great deal of confidence. So I would tell people go look at that relationship, and then maybe have a second look at the bond market.
1: Steve, always fantastic to catch up with you. Thank you so much. Coming to us from your new locales in in the sunny state of Florida.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Maggie. It's always a pleasure.
1: All right. And we will be back again tomorrow. You can believe we're going to watch all this market action for you and try and bring you the best advice we can from some of the people who've been through it before. So we'll see you back here same time tomorrow. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there.